0: Things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things? The antidote to modern living, and joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week, we have... I am... Uh, uh, oh, fuck off. The Blur Witch Project. Could we start again? Uh, we can, if you want. Start again. Okay. <laughs> Get out. Let's go. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled Easterish special of... Nice, nice things! i fucked it up myself, let's go again! <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, here we go, here we go. This oh, is it no. properly, okay we then, go. let's go.
0: <clears throat> Hello, good evening and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled Easterish edition of... Nice things. The Antidote to Modern Living, and joining
1: me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week, we have... I am uh, Mrs. Mary Whitehouse, and I say that's enough of this tea-time lesbianism for tots, although my given name is Paul Carmichael. Hello.
0: Ah, right. Tea-time lesbianism for tots, eh? Mm. What might Sir be referring to? Shall we deal with it
1: straight away? Let's (laughs) deal with it straight away. It's the burning issue on the nation's lips. It is the burning issue on the nation's lips. Um, Yes, of course, we weren't with you last Sunday, however... Um. Something else was. So um we're not gonna talk about the old program because some of you don't like it too much, but you know let let's just put it like this. Behind me, resplendent Tom Wonderful. Baker, Doctor Tom Baker. Who discovers pirates. Look at that. I'll just say that was a lovely link, by the way. Thank you very much. Isn't that mm. lovely? However However what isn't lovely is last Sunday uh, the Doctor Who Easter special was on. Mm. Um BBC One, seven o'clock ish now here's the first thing, I don't know what time it was on because I didn't watch it live and I Ooh. think, I think that's the first time I've not watched the show go out live since 1977, 78, apart from one episode in 1989 where I was, um, I'd been invited to go and look through this amazing telescope that they keep at the top of the museum in William Brown Street oh, and dang. I saw Jupiter through it, so I recorded that episode but watched it when Did I back. Did you see back. Uranus? Uh, Not on that occasion, although there were a number of older chaps who wanted to. (laughs) That's not true, just in case they're listening. Um, However, um, this Sunday we had the the Doctor Who Christmas special. Well, it was bollocks, Michael. Right. Not having a licence, I wouldn't have seen it. Well, no. um, It was awful. I've got to say it was awful, and there is a what we've got is now is a show that got overnight ratings of two point two million people.
0: That is astonishing. I believe that uh, think I think it was during tenants It was ten
1: point two million the overnight. Mm. Ten point two overnights, and I think his highest rating. I think his highest rating was a Christmas Day special, the one with Kylie Minogue. That got ridiculous figures. And then um, there was one of his end of series ones, which was the number one most watched programme for the week. And that was up there with about 13 million or something.
0: It really was a big deal, wasn't it, when Tennant was in there? I mean, I, I'm not a fan of of New Who as such. Mm. I sort of like the first series and because um, Eccleston's brilliant. And I think that... You know, people, it's like, it's like that sort of backed-up Willie thing, isn't it? When chaps have got backed-up Willie and they'll, they get a new girlfriend and they're like, Yes! And it's like the best best, best fun they've ever had. And I think that they had, what did they have? I mean, you had 96. Do we count 96, the TV well, movie? we count the TV movie with Paul McGann. Why not? We'll count so what that. was it, eight years? Yeah, 2005. It was like Supergrass's Winning. first album. It was, it was like that, you know. Supergrass's first album is just like, brrr, it's Absolutely. just right in your face. And then *In yeah. it for the Money* album two is
1: all right. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm off again. Please. We're on to album ten now at the moment. In, the, in these realms, though, um, I think right you've, you've well. I mean, should we deal with the with the top three problems as I see it, and then just the
0: top three. number three.
1: No, number that's three, good. I like that. We'll do, we'll do that. Number three. At okay. uh, number three, we've got a jump that happened or didn't happen. So I want you to imagine that what you've got is a sailing ship and a sailing ship. And you've got to get from the top sailing ship down to the second sailing ship. So, uh, all right, we jumped or we swam. Fine, because you're going down. I can accept that. Then in your plot, characters need to get back to the one up here. And they go, I know what to do. Cut to an outside shot of two model ships, and then they're back on the first one. Right. No explanation. Nothing. It's almost right. like they just didn't put those thirty seconds in the edit. Like, oh no. Right. Mm. Okay. Odd. That annoyed me. Uh, number two, jingle, please.
0: Number
1: <laughs> two. At number two, we've got a phone call. We've got a phone call. So I want you to imagine that you've got this moment of peril and it's you and your mortal enemy. And I'm then there. Yes, right now, what you've got to do is you've got this little chappy in a stasis lock or something who's been there for hundreds of years, and you need to talk to him. So you've got to cleverly get the person who wants to kill you out the room. So my writer's head went what I'd do is I'd make sure the villain chap is standing by a doorway or something, and then I'd you hit the door control. Door comes down and they've got to burn through the door to get in. So you're talking, you've got about 30 seconds. Give me the dialogue. Tell me what's going on. You've got 30 seconds. They crash in. What they went for... And that wouldn't cost anything, by the way. That wouldn't cost anything Well, they did it in Warriors of the Deep. Exactly. So they could have just repeated it. Nice little kiss to the past then. No, what they did here was a a, a noise went off, went (laughs) like that. And the Doctor, and for those of you in audio uh, only here, I do... Do the quotation marks when I say that because I'm jolly cross. Um, The doctor went, oh, that's a phone call for you. You'd better get it. Sea Devil walks out of shot. Exposition chat with the person. Sea Devil comes back in and says, ah, stop talking. Well, you could have said that at any time, mate. Or just say, I'm not going to get the fucking phone. I've got prisoners. No. No. It was just poor writing. Like, yeah. you had an opportunity there to do a little exciting thing. You know, one of those little peaks in the script, and they didn't yes. bother. So right. I, didn't, I, I didn't like that. Okay. At number one.
0: At number one.
1: Bam, bam, bam. bam at number one. <clears that's> tea time that's lesbianism that's for tots. Right. <clears throat> okay. I genuinely, and I, I mean this, okay, I genuinely have no problem with the lead character in Doctor Who being played by a woman. I don't give a shit. That's absolutely fine. I think that Joanna Lumley or someone, that's what you need for that sort of thing. You yeah. need a lead actor, you know. A Joanna Lumley, if she was still around, you're talking about Johanna Blackman. She's talking about people like that, really mm. sort of like intense and a bit weird. Yeah. Um, so I've no issue with that at all. What I've got an issue with is the fact that on Twitter, Twitter gets very excited, or or at least a tiny few people who've got very mm. loud voices, like a swimming pool, all the shouting is in the shallow end. Yes. What you've got what you've got, is people who are shouting because you've got a female doctor and a female assistant. Therefore, they've got to les up at once. Why? Right. Why? No, they don't. They don't have to do that. I, ju- I don't get that at all. Why does that have to happen? So what you've unfortunately got is really poorly defined characterization. This girl companion... She's been in it for three years. I couldn't tell you what sort of character she's meant to be apart from Yorkshire. Mm. That's it. There's nothing else that I could tell you about that characterisation. Nothing at all. So all of a sudden, we've got feelings for each other and you've got the Doctor saying, "Uh, I can't date anyone, but if I could date anyone, it'd be you. Now imagine Hartnell saying that. Was that that the line? That was the line.
0: Oh, that's dreadful. That well, uh, the... you you did have uh, fantasies of Hartnell in saucy lesbian romps, lest we forget. Absolutely, and their their
1: fan- a man's thoughts are his own private heart <laughs> Yes, Defendant yes, um, yes. No, I yeah, absolutely, I, and I do defend that because that would be funny. However, actually seeing it. Or not no. seeing it, just seeing two people suddenly say, ah, oh, we can't... And there's been no build-up to this. Literally what's happened is people have looked on Twitter, seen four or five people from some community or other, are saying, this needs to happen. No, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. Because if you're going to pander, sorry, but if you're going to pander to a minority audience, you will, you will reap what you sow. You will get 2.2 million viewers. That's it. Okay? Minority audience, minority audience figures. You should be getting better than that. You shouldn't be getting the equivalent of see here or a repeat of Mahabharat. That shouldn't be happening at all. You should be getting the family audience, and it's not. And that gets on my tits. That really gets on my tits. Hang on, I'm finished. Hang on. One last thing. Right? Bonus point. Bonus point Is is this the second
0: number one?
1: This is just a bonus point. Uh, this is the issue that I've got. I don't like sloppiness in production, and I never have. You know, it's as e- it's easier to get things wrong than to fuck it up, I always think. What we've got here, in, we've got the Sea Devils, who, 1972, then 1984, finally coming back. And you know what? This is the annoying thing. The design is good. They look good. Cool. They don't look different, except that now it doesn't look as though there's a bloke's head in the neck of the thing trying to look out. What are the eyes like? Do they move and stuff? They do blink, and that's right. been done in CGI, but it's basically a prosthetic. They've only they, they occasionally curl the mouth or make them blink. That's the CGI. The rest of it is just the costume. Lovely. Created by Malcolm Hulk, fascinating man, member of the Communist Party as well. Interesting um, bloke, yes. Absolutely brilliant bloke. Here's one of his books. I've got it here. As you can see there, there's Malcolm um M A L C O L M. So if you're gonna credit Malcolm Hulk on your credits. Maybe we should spell his name right, not M A L C C O M. I believe. It who is. hang on a minute? Yeah.
0: See, I've seen a few people on Twitter on about this, and it's like, yep. who spells Malcolm like that? I've never seen Malcolm spelt like that. Nobody.
1: Malcolm right, because people on
0: there like are that. saying, "Oh, I've done that before," and it's like bollocks. I've never spelt Malcolm incorrectly. Right, well, it's not you know like what? Graham. Maybe, like you have,
1: maybe you have spelt it incorrectly, people on the internet. Maybe you have. But then again, you are not being paid to not spell it correctly. Your yeah. job, under these circumstances, is to press the names in, in the right order, with the right spelling, and make them go up the screen. And no proofreading. Like no proofing well, of it. I mean, this is the... you know, surely it's someone's job to check the copy. Well, I mean, it always used to be, didn't it, that what would happen is... The programme would be, you know, it would obviously be watched. Then you'd take it to the uh, channel controller, and there used to be lots of stories of channel controllers just not really watching it and doing yeah. other things while you presented the programme. Yeah. Does that not happen now? Do, is there, is well, there a layer missing? There's
0: people credited on these shows. Mm. Isn't there? I mean, I've not watched Doctor, Doctor Who, how you have to say it. I've not watched Doctor Who in a long, long time. Mm. And, you know... I don't have a TV license, so I'm not about to start breaking the law. Um, so I haven't watched anything really for a long time. However, the strong arm, um, yeah, well, this is this is Strongarm back on the beat, isn't it, mm. really? I mean, Strongarm would have them sent to Devil's Island for this.
1: Transition. Strongarm has had quite enough of this. He's had three years of this, and it's like, no, it's time to clean up the BBC, clearly. Good. Just on this one issue. Everything Let else me just ask here.
0: you a question, though. Yeah. Right, because I'm not aware of Mr Chibnall's chops. Mm. Um Surely, Chibnall, in the fine tradition of, is it, what do we have? RTD, then Stephen Moffat, then that's Chris Chibnall. name yeah. is that right? Yeah. That's okay. Right. Now, for the best of my recollection, RTD obviously an Uber fan. Absolutely. Mm. I don't mean the taxis, um, yeah. but a I'm, I'm massive fan of the show. Right. Mm. Um, Moffat the same. Aren't Ooh, they yes. both kind of missing the new adventures authors? No, yeah, RTD they, wasn't. Was he? They've,
1: um, no, no, he was as well. They both Was he were. as well? um they both were they've both done bits for big finish they've both done all sorts before this came back yeah so
0: one presumes that mr chibnall is in that sort of tradition of fans who've got their hands on the show is that right
1: well yeah i i think so essentially yeah there's there's a very telling thing right i'm on the Blu-ray set that came out recently, which is an edition of uh Open Air with Patty Caldwell. Do you remember that?
0: I do remember. Well Patty oh, Caldwell is a very I interesting person. Wasn't Patty, Patty Caldwell Oh no, I'm mixing her up, I think. She wasn't the one who was in management as well, is she? I don't know. Do you know what? That rings a vague bell. There's a there's a Granada lady, uh, and and I think I'm mixing her up with her who oh, was okay. apart from being a presenter she was management as well and, it's quite and possible
1: really new telly anyway sorry yeah. well it's quite possible anyway there's there's a clip from open air from 1986 with um some uh, some of the fans the uber fans of doctor who um who've been brought in to slag it off basically which seems an odd thing for the bbc to be doing <laughs> um and there's a live link between the manchester studio and london where you've got pippin jane baker sat who are just these lovely dotty old writers going, oh, I don't know, we usually write till two and then we have a cup of tea. That sort of thing. you know." They're, they're just kind of lovely Dreadful old writers, though, Dreadful, Dreadful writers though, Paul. Dreadful writers, but lovely, lovely people. Um, but then what you've got... A bit got, dodgy looking. A but... little bit. But then you've got these three Uber, Uber fans, one of whom is Chris Chibnall. Yeah. Slagging them off commenting on the script, saying about the dialogue not being particularly believable. I'm really giving it loads. And then I watch this, and I think that Chibnall might be a brilliant writer for certain genre. Chibnall might be a brilliant executive producer on Broadchurch or something like that. Absolutely fine. But I, I don't think he's got the chops for this show. Sorry. I really don't. No, it's interesting, isn't it, as well, because...
0: I do wonder just how much... I think you made a very valid point about how TV is influenced by social media. Mm. And the way that social media works is that algorithms and stuff like that have a tendency to amplify certain voices. Mm. And I think we're in a very interesting period of time whereby it is is actually (laughs) of of great importance to the world Um, with Elon Musk and all this Twitter business and that. I mean... You're in this world whereby I mean, can you imagine anyone being asked about, um, you know, what was his name? Who was the goldsmith guy, member of the Bloomsbury set? You know, he was a big funder of the Tory Party. Zach? No, Zach's I think his grandson. Was it, was it Oliver Goldsmith? Oh. Hang on. No, on, no. wasn't he a writer of restoration comedy? Yes, the Vicar of Wakefield, you're quite right. Yeah, anyway, yeah. there was this guy, uh, and he was a big backer of the Tory party, billionaire, right? Mm. Now, they billionaires go around buying things all the time, don't they? Oh, yeah. However, when you've got something like Twitter, which is variously described as the market square, where people can discuss their opinions and, and talk freely and... You know, have a discourse, which is not how it works, because it's just mainly pictures of cats and people getting asked about things that, Ooh. after time aren't worth getting asked about. A strong arm, <laughs> however, <clears throat> because of this, um, it's become this like hot topic of free speech and uh, you know, and, and this, that, and the other. And it's re, it's really strange. It's almost like the plot of Doctor Who in the eighties or something mm. like that, whereby. The world is actually invested in a power play between, you know, what traditionally we'd have thought was like a company that made Sonic the Hedgehog Mm. and a very rich man. And it's strange that it's actually important. And so I do wonder if these voices that are being amplified on Twitter are very i think that well they obviously are aren't they they are influencing the way in which television is made and the way in which it's constructed etc 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 what i can't get my head around is surely there's a threshold that you reach whereby right okay we're going to please we're going to try to please this sort of twitterati whatever you want to call it however we still have a responsibility to good programme making mm. now when I saw, was it John Bishop and Bradley Walsh joining the cast? Mm. I thought to myself, desperation. Straight mm. away, they need to pump the ratings up. Right. And I don't have a, I don't really know about Jodie Whittaker mm. as an actor because I've never seen her in anything. Obviously, I've not watched TV in about 15 years, so she probably mm. weren't born then. But as far as I can see, possibly before Tennant left, but certainly since he left... The stories haven't been... And the show hasn't been very good, has it? Really. I mean, Capaldi's one of the greatest actors, you know, to ever take on the role. I know mm. that because, you know, I, I know Peter Capaldi from other shows, obviously, and obviously Malcolm Tucker in the thick of it. So you've got a man of exceptional talent there. Absolutely. But apparently, badly served by writers and stuff like that, you know better than me.
1: I don't know. I mean it's one of those things, I suppose. I've I've given them a rewatch, the the Moffitt ones. And they're not they're all right. They're they're decent, you know, they are decent sort of clumps of storytelling. Okay. The show was hugely popular when he first took it on, you know, when he had Matt Smith, the ratings were Matt Smith was great. Yeah, and the ratings were brilliant each week. I think maybe think maybe Moffitt stayed a bit too long. Right, okay think it's possibly okay. that. Um, no, And I think Capaldi was brilliant, but they did start bumping it around the schedule, which oh, right. never helps. No, that's silly. Um, so you've got that issue, but ultimately the writing was still competent. The writing was still good. I think a really key thing here is that you've got to make your audience care about the people mm. that they're watching. You, all you've got to do is think about who are these characters. You give them life, you know, you give them a yeah. background, you yeah, give yeah, them yeah, family yeah. and stuff like that. With the first three that he got in... Otherwise, well, as the saying goes, they don't stay till the end. Absolutely. Now, with the first three companions that he brought in, you have Bradley Walsh, um, whose story was he'd survived cancer. Great for Doctor Who. Okay, so we've got a cancer survivor... And that, it doesn't come back or anything. There's no, it's just that's, that's his, that's his character. Right. And his wife dies. That's it. Whole character. You've got his grandson, played by a lad who, in my opinion, can't act. Right. Um And his character is, he's got dyspraxia. And that's right. it. Which they don't always remember in the show. Uh, so sometimes you know he'll sort of like walk a tight tightrope and throw a baseball, a basketball through a hoop or whatever. That you know, and then they'll, and then the next episode it's all, oh, will he? always fallen over. Ugh. Right. Right. Then you've got the third one um, who's still in it, and she is a copper, I think, or she was training to be a copper or something. And her character is, is um, that she suddenly fancies um, William Hartnell with tits. Who's William Hartnell with tits? Jodie Whittaker. It, it, she oh, is because I she's see. the same character. So you've got to imagine here that what you're watching is a young WPC fantasising over Hartnell with tits. Right. I just had a cheeky Google by the way. It's Sir James Goldsmith. Oh, Sir Jimmy Gold. Jimmy Goldsmith.
0: Yeah, one of the Bloomsbury set, wasn't he? The May First set. Um, yeah. Right. Well, anyway, that sounds so- appalling. Yeah, it was. That sounds utterly appalling, Paul. Yeah, um, mm. and I'm glad I didn't tune in. Now I burnt logs, um, and and also this is this gives me a chance to thank Mr. London Raider um, for sending me um, this Fred Dibner stuff, the Fred Dibner book. And um, his world of steam, stone, and steel, which uh, I enjoyed, along with the season 18 box set this weekend uh, of Doctor Who. Proper Doctor Who. Proper, proper Doctor Who. Proper Doctor Who. Um, with the commentaries on... They've all got commentaries, but obviously one only wants the cream. Um, but yes, so the, the commentaries with Tom on are, are fascinating uh, and are. brilliant. Well worth the money if you like your Doctor Who. And mm-hmm. Mr. London Raider will be not happy that we're talking about Doctor Who. But, you know, we you got your book mentioned, lad, you know. So, you so that's some nice things. I burned logs, as I said. I seem to remember when we were kids... Talking about the sea devils, we'd we'd say they're the ones that look like turds. There was a that turdy, a slimy quality, you know. If you know the Mat Lad's oeuvre, the Mat oh. lads have a song called Turtles Heads. Right. Um and they they very much resembled turtles, didn't they? I think it was a kind of turtle's head. Sort of a snapping turtle, sort of yes. thing with the
1: overbite,
0: yeah. Yes. Or eagles as they were in Warriors of the Deep, but mm. The spirit of Easter was not served, you feel, by uh, this
1: Well, no. no. No, no, it wasn't at all. Easter Easter special, get fucked. No, absolutely not. I was furious. Yeah. Well, I genuinely is, was quite upset.
0: You see, Easter's one of those things, isn't it? Because Easter contains one of only two days in this country where you can't nip out and get yourself a cauliflower, if you may, or anything like that, Easter Sunday. And that's a bit of a bind, isn't it? <coughs> It's a
1: complete bind, and right again. I'm quite cross this week about a number strong of things. Hot. It's strong I'm moving into the the world of of mercantile. I, he may no. well be coming into general consumer affairs. I think now Great. at this point. Great. Recommission watchdog. Get him on there. Um, I'd you know, watch. I'd get a license for that. that I would get brilliant. a license for that. Yeah, just shouting. But no, I I'm I'm odd really in this way because I I like the fact that occasionally everything shuts down for the day. Well
0: yeah, I so, don't mind it. It was just I was I I drove up to Wilco on Sunday morning mm-hmm. and noticed that they only opened at 10:30. I thought, okay, that's a Sunday, they don't right. open at 10. All right, I shall I shall stroll, you know, yeah. along the Witness Piazza and mm-hmm. see what else I can do. I'll 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 spunk some time in Poundland, I thought to myself. They were okay. shut too. I was like Ah, hang on a minute. When I was a kid, we used to have to walk up to Nellie Orton's shop on Boundary Road to get me mum's fags. Why she never got them the night before? I don't know. It's Easter. Mm. I realised then, and I didn't mind at all, you know, but um, I couldn't get myself a hatchet, which I got myself this morning. Uh, Anyway, the boys and girls aren't interested (laughs) in the the
1: meanderings of the elderly dementia patient, so... um, No, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I completely, I I think it's quite right. Everything should stop at Easter. As far as I'm concerned, in my head, Easter should be a festival when we're all in the fields and it looks a bit like, you know, Tess and the D'Urbervilles, that sort of thing. That would be brilliant. I know what you can see in your head.
0: I don't know if you're on about Tess, actually. I think you're on about Bathsheba in Far From the Madding Crowd with Julie Christie when she chucks the corn everywhere in the corn exchange. And Peter Finch is like that.
1: Cool. Yes, that's what I'm talking
0: Yes, about. that's the bit I
1: like. Yes, I like that. Uh, so we love
0: Bathsheba. What a character. Anyway.
1: However, on the other hand, I needed to go to the shops and they weren't open, so I was furious. And at that point, then I get this interesting sort of like split going on where I think it was quite right. Shouldn't be open. But on the other hand, this is a massive inconvenience to me. Well, yes. Nowhere but... was open. Morrison's wasn't open. Aldi wasn't open. No, of course not. Hmm. Before we move off the subject
0: of Bathsheba, though. Yes. Hmm. Um, do you know the album do little by pixies no oh you don't know I thought you'd be into the pixies no. you're about the right age group um, so *Doolittle* has got uh, here comes your man on it and uh, this monkey's gone to heaven and, and songs like that you don't know them no I don't know anyway the album begins with a track called debaser and the lyrics of which are you crazy babe beth I want you which which is good Oh, that's good. Frank Black is a good songwriter, and uh, Kim Deal is a fantastic bass player. Anyway, that's enough. Trivia from 80s. <laughs> indie music. Back to
1: Easter. Go on, so Easter, Easter, what do you associate with that? When you were young. Go on, what was your typical Easter? Well, my typical Easter was eating as
0: much... I, I, I seem to do this every year when I was a kid. I ate enough chocolate, predominantly cream eggs. In fact, wow, as luck would have it. is a Mr. Men... Um Easter egg cup from my boyhood, which um the eagle-eyed viewers at home will notice um is, is very much glued together. It's cracked and in pieces, but you know, uh I put it together. Anyway, um so I'd eat lots of chocolate, obviously. Mm-hmm. My most prized possession being the Souchard. Uh, Easter egg, the Davison one, which was my toy. We've had that discussion before, and I suppose Mm -hmm. we've had enough Doctor Who. Well, it's another Doctor Who-related tale, but my favorite... Every year you seem to get Zeffirelli's Jesus of Nazareth, right? Every year you got that, which was only in 115 parts. um, So it was quite digestible over the weekend, along with the eggs. Um, Robert Powell was easter wasn't he you know what i mean i mean he was a very beautiful man um you know in his crown of thorns and stuff like that a lou gray production as i uh recall so you should approve but one cr- one easter and i'm got a minute let me see if i've got it to hand
1: visual excitement yes and it's, it's a week for
0: target novelizations. This is my actual Whoa. copy bought from Woolworths, I think, in St. Helens of Doctor Who and the Daleks, oh, uh, oh, with a non-lesbian uh, Hartnell on the front. Better. Um and I remember, my nan, was always ill at Easter, Easter and Christmas. At Christmas, I, I was the ill one, but yeah. Easter, my nan was always ill. So my nan'd be in bed over Easter. And yeah. I remember one Easter, she's in bed. We had the, you know, I think we'd no, we had the portable telly up there, whatever it was. And I sat and read this very copy, um, of the Do- Doctor Who and the Daleks, um, and ate all the cream eggs and was very ill. So, so the um ephemeral effect was elderly grandma in bed, mm. uh, Robert Powell in the corner on the telly mm. with that stirring soundtrack, me reading Doctor Who and the Daleks, and just like being told probably every five minutes, stop eating cream eggs, and it was like, no. In one ear and out the other. Mm. So that w- that was the spirit of Easter for me. Obviously there was church involved. Oh, uh, yes. One would have to go to church, but Easter didn't seem to have the same cachet as Christmas, did it? I, I think that... I don't know why that was. I mean, maybe you can shed light on this one.
1: Well, because you don't get lots of nice presents at Easter. You've got an egg. Yeah. Yeah, it, though, that's it, it, isn't it? I'm missing the blindingly obvious. The, the telly was... I ain't aware The telly. Of Christmas. The, the telly. telly. That's the telly. why it weren't as good. Yeah, because at Christmas <laughs> you get all the Christmas specials. You didn't get Easter specials. Well, you, you do, do now. Sh- you don't. You get programming that isn't special. It's awful. However, what you got was, uh, you just got films, as I recall. I yeah, who films, films. Don't like films, so that was pointless, as far as I was concerned. And no, Rob- uh, no Robert Powell for me. No Jesus of Nazareth Ooh. for me. You weren't allowed cheeses of Nazareth. We weren't, no, because of course a uh, uh, grade indeed, however an ITC production for ATV Network, as I recall. Therefore ITV, therefore no. That wasn't allowed. I've still never seen it. I tell you what, I've got.
0: You can have a copy if you want. I will tell you oh, what God. wasn't allowed in our house: mm. Jesus Christ Superstar.
1: Whereas we had the vinyl. Oh, we had the vinyl. Of really? That. Oh, so that yes. was that was uh, that was fine with Protestants, was it? That was absolutely fine, no problem at all. But Jesus of Nazareth, I remember it. No, it right. was. Right, is uh, that just because ITV or... I suspect it was because it was ITV. I don't think it was particularly Catholic, was it in any particular way? I mean, obviously for me, there was a lot of church. It was very Robert Catholic. Ze- Zeffirelli, come on! Oh, there you are then. Now, however, we didn't have a problem with Zeffirelli because we had the um, LP of the soundtrack from his Romeo and Juliet, which I've still got some, just up there somewhere, I think. Um, so that it wasn't the Zeffirelli problem, but conflate it all, and absolutely not. So strange. So Easter for me was literally, get up, there's there's an egg, not allowed the egg, got to go to Mm. church first. And the the immense confusion that I always suffered from as a child, because I didn't listen, obviously, I wasn't that interested. So I never quite understood why we were all saying it was good that Jesus was crucified. And then someone would say to me, because then he could come back. Well, just don't do the crucifixion and you don't have all the fannying about. Surely that's the easy option. Well, get, there's a certain there's think.
0: there are certain branches of Christianity that don't believe in the resurrection, aren't there? <laughs> <clears throat> you know. Um I, I don't know what it is off the top of my head now, but it's kinda of like that's that's kind of the fundamental aspect of Christianity. Um, the the resurrection. Um Yeah. I mean, it's an old festival, isn't it? It's Eostra, it's who was the Roman god of fertility or a pagan. It's one of them. E-O-S-T-R-E. That's what Eastergen's
1: named after. That's it. But you find you've got loads of sort of mythical figures around the same time, all that have very similar names. The one that I've been
0: reading about lately, Mithra.
1: Oh, yes. It's a fascinating
0: subject, Mithraism. It's really fascinating. And this goes back to the law of procession, which you don't believe in, but... You know, equinoctically, when the Earth is aligned with different constellations in the sky, which, for you know ease of use, we refer to as all the silly star signs, which are silly. However, it does have some effect on um, human existence because as the Earth passes through turbulent periods of realignment, um, it's sort of, on the geological record, it aligns with disaster. Um, so, Mithras, if you look at the... Uh, uh it's called to, toro, toroctomy, toroctomy, it's called. So they found in all the Mithraic temples over the world, the same picture, which is very interesting. It's the same, uh, like, relief on the wall. So you've got Mithras on the back of the bull, who's always uh, jamming the sword into the bull's shoulder because we were in the age of Taurus. I know you don't believe in any of this, dear. Uh, But uh, we had Leonine uh, religions before it when we were in the age of Leo, which is why Mm. the Sphinx was built. Um, It's a big lion, and the head was recarved during the last dynasty to be the head of a pharaoh. That's why it's so much smaller, because it was originally a lion. Um, Anyway, so Mithras is jamming the sword into mm. the bowl because we're leaving the age of aquarius uh, sorry we're leaving the age of taurus and entering the age of aquarius you must have noticed christians have little fish on the back of the cars absolutely that's why we have that religion now we're in the age of Aqu- uh, uh, pisces sorry we're in the age of pisces now anyway so he's jamming that into the bowl and then over the top you've got the royal arch like you have in freemasonry mm. you know and that represents the uh short meteor thing we go through then there's 13 altars above it which are all the star signs which you don't believe in and nor do i and then this bull is kneeling underneath there's a scorpion scorpio at its knackers right and and they're all like this there's thousands of them across the world these pictures right we haven't got any written uh documentation for the religion so we don't know what it what but they all had this picture and then um, Mithras is jamming the sword into the bull. He's looking over his right shoulder because in each corner, so in the left corner, you've got Apollo, the sun god, and then in the left corner, you've got Diana, the moon goddess. But he's not looking at the sun god. He's looking at the raven who's the messenger of the sun god, mm-hmm. right? And then you've got guys representing the two equinoxes. One's holding a torch upright. The other one's holding it down. Uh, and I think that's about it on the tarot to me. Interesting though, interesting. Anyway, the point of that story was Mithras was born on the 25th of December of a virgin mm-hmm. and then the resurrection.
1: Uh... Yeah. And had 12 disciples, yeah. as I remember. Because isn't this one of, it was one of Christopher Hitchens' things that he would sometimes use to Oh, would he? I, just, I didn't know that. I, I think a, a vague memory well, of Well, Dionysus
0: of his... is the same.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Born of a virgin, 25th yes. of December. We like Dionysus, of course, being theatrical types. Oh, of course we do. Yeah, no, I I read a thing this week as well. I do have it here somewhere, which is uh, all about Jesus' grave. Do you know where Jesus' grave The is? one in India? No, the one in Japan. Okay. Because there's, one, there's in one in... Ind- anyway... We'll- Well, Here we are. Uh, When Jesus was 21 years old, he came to Japan and pursued knowledge uh, of divinity for 12 years. He went back to Judea at 33 and engaged in his mission. But at the time, the people of Judea would not accept Christ's preaching, so they arrested him and tried to crucify him. But his younger brother, who was called Isukiri, Kash casually took Christ's place and ended his life on the cross. Jesus then uh, escaped back to Japan and he settled in Hirai village in Japan and died at the age of 106. There you go. Don't know that one. Very similar to the Indian one because
0: the story there is that he wasn't resurrected. Mm. So obviously it's not a a Christian belief. Uh, And he went to India. He escaped to India and his grave there has got a sort of stone plaque outside with a carving of two feet with holes in them so that proves it was him um and i can't think there's a christian orientation and an islamic orientation how they bury people i don't know which is which i couldn't tell you one face islamic is facing (coughs) east towards mecca or on, yeah well, well. one of them he's facing the other way which proves mm. it's jesus as well uh but there he's referred to as isa i think because isa being jesus being one of the five pillars of islam because he's a prophet in islam mm. um so that's the story of the indian grave and again it's that he lived till 100 and had loads of children i mean mm. i think it's the it's one i think it's the gospel of saint paul which was told to him by james jesus's brother Hmm. So, the brother thing is in there as well. It's interesting because there is sort of not exactly contemporary documentary proof, but there's proof like 20 years later in Roman writing
1: and stuff like that of Christos. There is, absolutely. But then, I always. There's no got-
0: doubt that he existed as a human man who. There was a, a pain in man,
1: the ass. Th- there was a pain in the ass who went around, and the authorities got cross with him. Yes, yeah, we can go. Literally cross. I got I got confused with the whole Easter thing in church um, again because I wasn't listening. So the idea that uh, you know his followers went to the tomb and they found that the big stone had rolled back and then ah, Jesus the Hoople was the Hoopla sang about it. Well, they may have sung about it. Maybe they can help with my confusion because in my head, what I got was big stone rolls back mm. I've got an Easter egg therefore in my head Jesus came out of the stone
0: well do you remember Bill well Mithras was born of an egg as well
1: oh well, there we are there we
0: are so so it's yeah. so what the Romans did under Constantine was they had a big conference I can never remember the name of it so I'm not going to mm. try where they decided on what the state religion was going to be mm. okay and that's where it was decided we're going to go with Christianity and that's when Constantine went with that um but um, it's all mishmashed and mixed up. I mean, the the Mithraism is there's loads of it in Christianity, loads of it. I mean, the early forms of Christian Christianity were Gnosticism, which mm. I don't know if you know anything about, which is very interesting. A tiny
1: bit. I remember I was a, I was light in a comedy and darkness. group that was called Gnostic Plague, but I think that's as far as my research went. I like the right. Word. Yes, it's it's lighted the
0: forces of light and darkness. Mm. It's back to Osiris and Set. It's back to ancient Egypt. You know, it's it's the same thing. They kept all the best bits, right? Yes. And shoved them all together. And that's mm. essentially what it is. It suits the state because they can have, you know, the holiday season all built up and it suits business and stuff like that. Because Easter's a movable feast, isn't it? Absolutely. Is it the Pope who decides it? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that... In this country it's a decision made by government. I mean but is Easter Sunday.
1: Is it the, is same, the same globally? It is, yeah, because you you yeah. can see the Pope doing his yeah, mass for can. Easter, can't you? So someone's got to decide this. I suspect it's the Pope sat there with his speed boat saying, Yeah, let's see what you could have won. Bring out your bully and all that. There you go, there's yeah. the Pope sitting there and then he chooses that particular Sunday. Because Bullseye's not on that week.
0: Because I mean, he so. he's, doesn't have to be in Leeds. He doesn't was have it to Leeds? get
1: there. No, oh,
0: Birmingham, dear. Birmingham? Was that an Ooh. ATV job?
1: First series was ATV, Bullseye. First series only. Then it became central.
0: Bullseye was shit, wasn't it? It really was shit. I my mean, nan
1: loved it. Shit oh, bloody my loved My nan loved Bullseye. it.
0: Everyone loved it. Do you remember we had that sort of azimuth in the 80s of darts and snooker being like a big deal? Oh, Wasn't yeah. it driven by who? Was that manager, Hearn? Barry Hearn? I don't know. don't know. Yeah, Barry Hearn run a company called Matchroom. Mm. And he had, uh, like, Davis and all these other blokes. He had them all on their... Uh, Steve Davis now being the uh, predominant prog DJ in the country. Mm. Um, you know? Um, so he ran a company called Matchroom with Dennis Taylor and all these, these other uh, chaps in there. But... Yeah, the eighties. It was incredibly popular. I mean, what I loved about Bullseye and and the function Bowen played was similar to Les Dawson on Blankety Blank, where it's like, "This is shit," and I, I'm gonna be aware that it's shit.
1: Yes. No, absolutely. However, my nan wasn't aware that it was shit. <laughs> Nor was mine. Oh, and she she loved it. And Sunday afternoons. So remember, we always just we had to have Sunday lunch. We'd have you know roasted roast at around one o'clock or so. Then it was off to me nan's, and. ITV would be on, so my mother was very uncomfortable sitting in this little two up, two down, in old swan. Then the ham sandwiches would come out, and Lovely. they were like door stoppers. Proper right. thick white bread. Butter. Enough butter on there to kill a cow with a heart attack. Good. And then really thick ham. Proper thick Didn't ham. Didn't like I'm... thick ham. It oh, generally came it, from cans. It did, it, I think it was. Oh, I got. Worried in case that was actual tongue I was eating, which it probably was, along with yeah. the bollocks and everything I'm else. not eating that. It's been in somebody else's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yes. So I remember that and then bullseye coming on and just everybody had to be quiet. And I didn't mind at all because I found the commercial breaks fascinating because I never saw them. Mm. So I was just like, what the hell's this? A glimpse. I, I loved all that I did love those little glimpses But um, yeah, no, that that's Easter to me Easter is basically confusion about Jesus coming out of an egg Yes And that's about it, and it, it Well Bill like Hicks a very... does a
0: routine, doesn't yeah. he? Bill Hicks does a routine about Easter eggs and Jesus I've not heard it, I don't think Yeah, 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 he does a routine about it I mean, I think there is a whole confusion Because originally it's kind of they've got to appease people of many different faiths and beliefs Mm. and combine all these things. Um, It's like one of the, you know, it's like the Christianization, is that what they call it, of uh, the conversion to Christianity of the Vikings. I mean, well done on that one. Oh,
1: yeah. I don't know how they managed that. I think the problem is, of course, though, if you end up trying to appease people from many beliefs, as we have seen, your ratings drop to two point two million.
0: Well, this is it. I don't think it was a concern then, the overnights.
1: Yeah, well, no. But again, we see it reflected in church attendance. We there do is a clear correlation, as always, between BBC and church.
0: Well, you see, that's why the shops are shut. So you go to bloody church.
1: There you go. That's the whole Absolutely. part. Did you
0: go to church?
1: Certainly not, no. Did you hold
0: a little ceremony with your Terence Dix altar? No, 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 I didn't
1: do that. (laughs) I I, I spent a little time in the graveyard uh, up at the church, which is, uh, I I love that graveyard because it is very old. And indeed, there's a Viking burial in it. So, you know, it's got this lovely history to it. So I'm quite happy to sit outside and listen to the bells for a bit. But um, no that's about it for me i'll do a carol service by all means i'll do that love a carol service mm. cause straight away i can imagine it's the box of delights however yeah however when it comes to easter now just just the bells are sufficient for me and there was no woolworths advert at christmas was there uh, at easter <clears throat>
0: you didn't get a woolworths advert with the cast of value being served or anything
1: no i don't i don't <clears> think <throat> you
0: did have no. you seen those now? You are. I've,
1: I've allowed myself those now. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're glorious mm. things, aren't they? Suddenly, you've got the goodies and someone from Blake Seven and Brill. What, uh, oh, fabulous! Brill, Brill, Brill! Wonderful. I don't know why we don't have a world like that anymore. I don't know why we <coughs> don't have a Woolworths like that anymore. We should.
0: We don't do we? No, we don't have. There's so many things. You know, we're we're in danger of straying into Spangles and Space Hoppers territory here, um, really. But. Um, yeah, the, the scoffing. I, I scoffed plenty of meat over the Easter break, which I think, you know, sure did our Lord himself pause on the cross for a steak. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, I think that that's in, in keeping. I mean, you're not meant to eat fish on Good Friday.
1: Uh, so you're not meant to, to eat to. meat. Uh, meat. Oh, no, friend. you're not meant to. I mean, there were certain <laughs> days when you weren't meant to eat meat just during the week at certain points in history, of course. I think that Wednesdays you couldn't and Saturdays you couldn't eat meat and you were only meant to eat fi- uh, fish. But I do remember years ago reading about the fact that in your little hamlet and where, uh, what you could do is you could invite your local clergyman to come round and he could, say for example, you've got a chicken you can't exactly refrigerate it. You've got to keep your chicken. So yeah. you could invite the local clergyman to come round and he would bless your uh, chicken and declare it was a fish for a certain amount of money, of course. Great. Um, and you could enjoy your chicken. There you go. I don't know if he'd do it on on Easter Sunday, but certainly during the rest of the year. Bless, nice
0: little... bless My Chicken sounds like a, a great sitcom from the 70s with probably Derek Nimmo in it. Set in the 1400s. And
1: Set in the 1400s. Clergyman.
0: Yes, oh. yes, and he's he's sort of, it's a bit of a Father Ted because he's obviously been found to be taking bribes to go around and, and, and excuse people's carnivorous nature.
1: Oh, I like that. I, I fancy a young Tim Piggott Smith in some sort of, playing some sort of Duke Nobleman sort of character.
0: All right, I'll go with that. I was thinking yeah. Christopher Beaney as his sort of
1: curate. We go young. the the Little Baldrick type. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so it's Nimmo, Beanie and Piggott Smith. Yes, okay, I yes. Like that. We need a lady. Who's the lady? You know, Have I'm you
0: tempted... Go t- on.
1: Two ladies. We need an older comedic lady and a, and a younger lady as well. What
0: I was thinking immediately for the younger one was, I don't know why, but Carol Ann Ford in a rrr In a rare... Have you seen her in that Like Whatever Happened to the Likely ads as the, Lads as the Barmaid?
1: Yes. Oh, she's fucking gorgeous in that. Naughty Auntie Maureen. Naughty Auntie Maureen, indeed. Naughty Auntie Maureen. Yeah, she is. She is Naughty Auntie Maureen in that. I could go with her. Or what was the name of the woman? um... She'd look good in the push-up wench dress, you see. Oh, she would, actually. Yes. But what's the name of the girl in... Oh, bloody hell. My soup. Of Pompeii. Of Pompeii. Um, Margaret Not Maureen Nolan. No, 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 no. She played the role of Erotica, the daughter. It was Georgina someone. Georgina. I want to say Georgina Moon, but I'm allowing myself a Google. Oh, Georgina uh, Moon. Okay. Georgina she's, in, Moon? she's in
0: Carry On Camping.
1: I th- right. I think that's who it was. I am having a Google anyway, because then I can look at Who like. I
0: think uh, later um, reimagined herself as Maggie Moon, who used to sing on like the Des O'Connor show and name that tune oh. and things.
1: Oh, here we are. Yeah. Georgina Moon Up uh, Pompeii. How's your father? She was in. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, you're only young twice. Carry on camping. Bless this house. Carry on behind. Oh, oh she's in behind
0: as well. I didn't know She's that. in behind
1: as well. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like Georgina Moon in that, that role, please. because I Let's like have a looking quick look at her. At her. I see. like looking at her in 1970. So who I is think.
0: Georgina Moon in this
1: Georgina Moon is the young sort of like or oh, principal boy character. She's a bit bright, she's a bit intuitive and she's outwitting Nimmo all the time, but she dresses as a boy um to ah. you know because she couldn't do all these To be a
0: to be a monk or a priest or whatever. She wants to be a priest. She wants to be a priest. Yes, That's it.
1: But the but the buttons keep popping, keep popping. on the cassock.
0: Especially and everyone remembers the bell ringing scene where the cassock popped open. Fully open, uh, Of course, of Christmas course. Special Christmas special, Christmas special? Yeah, I must buy the network box set of this. Bless oh, my chicken. Oh, oh, I, oh, I want to see this. I'd Derek Nimmo used that. to do that. <laughs> he used to stutter, One and everyone would be in uproar, wouldn't they, with a Derek Nimmo stutter? <laughs> oh, wonderful. Did he have the tonsure, or did they
1: put a, a, a bladder on his head, do we think? I, I think that was real. I think at, that was real. Yeah. Looking at Ford not like not not like Brucey or anything like that which again it was interesting because with Brucey we've got the stutter as well. <laughs> we have indeed. <laughs> uh, but Derek Nimmo had a fine head of hair, didn't he? He did. He had a lovely head of that. He earth. did? Oh, yeah. did yes, Williams... Kenneth Williams used to get a little bit um, jealous of that when he'd start doing his thing of, oh, it's like Spangold. Oh, like yes, Spangold the hair. Spangold Meyer, whilst De- Derek Nemo just sort of looked at him across from the desk in just a minute.
0: I don't know anything about Derek
1: Nemo, you know. Really? I don't know
0: anything at all about him. I've never... You know, he was kind of one of those guys who... Just was there, wasn't he? I mean, I remember him playing clergyman an
1: awful lot. Yeah, in Oh Brother and Oh Father. He did and those. Wasn't he in All Gas and Gators? All Gas and Gators. He was in yeah. that as well. Uh, oh. Here's a cat. Me. <sighs> Are you going to bless your chicken? Bless my chicken with the cat. Um, yes. But uh, no, I do. I do remember him in those. But then I also, I mean, when when I think of him as sort of an actor, he's one of these people who just played Derek Nippo, Nimmo. Yeah. Uh, Nimmo. Uh, <laughs> Nippo. Uh,
0: <laughs> Wasn't <laughs> he in a series called
1: Life Begins, at <laughs> Life Begins at 40? He was. He was in yeah, that. I remember that. But, again, playing Derek Nimmo. Derek, Yeah. The place where I saw him playing the most Derek Nemo like Derek Nemo character, as performed by Derek Nimmo, yeah. was when he guest starred uh, for four episodes of Neighbours, playing wow. Derek Nimmo.
0: P- playing Derek, obviously. Do you remember when Victor Lewis Smith rang him up, pretending to be a journalist on TV awful, and, and he said was uh, it was about pissed. the Queen Mother? Yeah, and, oh, and really. Nimmo's replies. Oh, she's not dead, is she? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that and was then a great He starts series. rambling,
1: doesn't he? About yeah, I went out for dinner with a few friends. I was a bit pissed. Yeah, <laughs> dreadful. Isn't
0: he in Brass Eye as well? Isn't he one of the ones that Chris Morris buttonholes in the? I um, think.
1: I uh, think theater? he is. I think so. I think, I, so. I think he is. Is that the one? Because I no, because the Noel Edmonds shooting people, that's John Chalice, isn't it? Oh, that they get. God, that's, that's beautiful. good. That's, that's wonderful. That's Good.
0: That's great stuff. John Chalice obviously knows what's going on. Like Bernard Manning does in the cake one. Mm. Bernard Manning is just fucking he's on
1: that straight away. It's a fucking yeah. disgrace. Yeah. <laughs> isn't it? He's just he's just on it straight away. Brilliant. Absolutely wonderful. And then and then of course. It would have been, was it about two thousand that he died? Because he fell down the stairs. Something like that. Yeah, probably pissed. Quite possibly.
0: Quite possibly, so, I fell down the stairs, pissed. Um, you know, but didn't talk... do the full Nimmo though. No, never go, never no. go full Nimmo. Never, though. never, full never NIMO. go full Nimmo. No. I mean, talk of Chris Morris reminds mm-hmm. me of why bother with Cookie. Which hey, we're on fire this week. Which This is le- good. <laughs> which leads me to um, one of your one of the nicest nice things I think you've ever purchased.
1: I, I think so, yeah. Um what I've got here I've got an album. I've got a very nice album. Um and this album uh, came from Oxfam, two pound forty nine. And it's a double LP, Michael, a BBC Ooh. Records and Cassette release. <coughs> here it is. Of um, Hoffnung. Hoffnung. Gerard Hoffnung. Now then, Hoffnung is an interesting chap, isn't he? i never
0: heard of him till you
1: mentioned him to me. Yeah, I, and I hadn't. Although, I mean, I sort of had. Um, because I'd seen the... There was a BBC Radio Collection double cassette released of Hoffnung. And I never bought it because I thought, I don't know what that is. So I didn't bother getting it. But then, obviously, I saw this. And I still don't know who he is. But it's a a BBC Records and Tapes Ah, release. So £2.50, absolutely. Hoffnung turns out to be an incredibly interesting chap. Um, Really Mm -hmm. interesting. Because it's difficult to pigeonhole exactly what he is and why he's on this record. So what might help is, for those of you watching, um, here's a picture of Hoffnung as drawn by himself. Um, Splendid. Predominantly, he was a visual artist, but he's got this uh, fascinating life. He's born in 1925, but then when mm. he was about 10, um, his parents moved him over to England because of uh, he was born in Germany. So get him away from all that, and let's get him over here. And he very quickly established himself as a as a visual artist and uh, as a musician and a tuba, a tuba player. Tuba player, yeah. A tuba player, yeah. But then. He I think it's because he gave a speech to the, and it's on here actually, the Oxford Union Mm. he gave a speech to uh, in 1954, I think, 1954. Um, And he just started rambling about his life and then he honed that ramble very carefully so it became a series of anecdotes and that's what this record is. It's a series of anecdotes. Um of of pure why botherness, I think. You know, you've mm. got the, this lovely opening where somebody says to him, um, so Mr. Halfnung, you were born at a very young age, and he says he says, I I, I think so. I, I I can't have been more than two when I was born. And you're <laughs> off. That's the first thing on the record, and you're off. And it's this pure Peter Cook sort of style of thing. And I suppose what we were saying previously, a couple of weeks ago, about British comedy is basically Spike Milligan, Peter Cook and Mm. what we have now. I think Hoffnung needs to go in Mm. that mix. I think he's absolutely Mm. wonderful. But this record, £2.50, is lovely. Oh, it's a steal because it's a double LP. um, And on record two, they tracked down a programme he did in 1954 called Music Club. His wife had a copy on uh, tape. And so they've put that on here. Um, and as it says here, um, Gerard Hoffnung had obviously recorded himself off the air by holding a microphone in front of the radio. Um, but BBC engineers worked on it, and it has been included, despite its understandably substandard quality, in record two of this double album. Its technical flaws will, I know, be accepted by Hoffnung enthusiasts on the half-loaf principle. It is somewhat damaged treasure, but a treasure nevertheless. It's, I,
0: so the you, cur, the love in those sleeve notes
1: as well. Oh, it's it's beautiful. 1973. This record is no
0: from. misspelling. I bet they've spelt Hofnung right.
1: Oh, they have several times. Yeah. Um, particularly, what I suppose the sad thing here is, they talk about all the work that he did for the BBC, was on all sorts of panel shows and stuff like this. But this um, this beautifully illustrated double record, wonderful is all that they've got left or all they had left in 1973 maybe more has come to mind but absolutely phenomenal love him absolutely yeah after you mentioning
0: him I went and uh, found some of his stuff on YouTube and had a listen and it's quite obvious that he's influenced Count Arthur Strong massively you know the absent mindedness and all the other stuff it's just it's glorious stuff and a very sort of massive massive um, missing link I think in that british comedy story you mm. know as I, I usual so. the, the true innovators are never generally british anyway you know he was german milligan's irish you know that fine tradition really uh Team being peruvian i think
1: yeah um yeah it's he's a that's a i'm really jealous of that double album i want it Oh, well, I imagine it'll come up on... It's one of those that'll come up on Discogs quite a lot. Yeah, for about um,
0: £50. Pounds.
1: Well, yes, you have to be quick in the Oxfam these days. There's uh, the, the chap who looks like me, I forgot to tell you. Oh, right, we've got an update. Right, We've got an on. update, we've got an update, Mike. Just right. two days ago, two days ago, I was perusing the vinyl in the record shops. The, uh, well, charity shops. Off we go shop to shop, having a quick look and a quick delve, and I get to the Cats Protection League and I saunter towards the basket of record and he's there. He's going to replace you. He's going through the records?
0: Yes. Trying to finger the Hoffnung before you. I think he was.
1: Yes. Not in a Doctor Who way. Not in a Doctor Who way. No, no.
0: They've remade the man who wasn't there, by the way. (coughs) Have they? Yeah, and apparently it is dreadful.
1: Well, they should just follow me around with a the camera. They All should. We need to do.
0: They should. That's what's gonna to happen to you. He is definitely gonna be in your front
1: room one day. He absolutely will. You'll come into work one day and he'll just be sat at my desk. Yes, there'll be
0: a man who wasn't there. Yeah, uh,
1: with his ginger beard. Oh, ah, no.
0: but you know, he's he's not aware of what was it called? strangle my chicken bless my chicken
1: (laughs) what's it called again choke my bishop choke Um, my bishop with (laughs) (laughs) no he absolutely isn't however hoffnung genius absolute genius and someone i would suggest you really need to listen to he's just oh it's lovely it's just it's just two hours of hoffnung chatting that's all this record is but my god it's two hours well spent
0: yeah. And you can see the influence, can't you, in shows like My Music and all the other things. Absolutely. You know, when you sort of Because you're talking about people who would have known who he was totally. Mm. Mm. Um and it's amazing how much of his work has, has influenced most definitely Spike Milligan.
1: Definitely. I mean it's they're absurd, recording around the same time, aren't they? But I think that's that's fascinating, is that you've got the, in comes the, the chap from Germany, pre-World War II. In comes Milligan. And around the same time, they're coming up with this stuff. I mean, the, the sad thing here is that um, he, uh, he died in 1959 at th- 34. 34. And you look at photos
0: of him. He looks like he's 50-odd. Easily, he does. You know, and a proper yeah. 50-odd. Not like 50-odd
1: these days. Oh, no, where well, it still looks young on some yeah. people. Yeah, Jeez, proper somebody. 50-odd like it was in the 70s when like 50 year old men 70s. looked like they were 80.
0: I bumped into a tutor of mine this morning in Wilco after mm. I'd bought my hatchet and um we were talking away. And it's just like god he must have only been you know about 30 when mm. he was my tutor. Yeah. And it's like he he seemed ancient. You know these guys seemed ancient back then.
1: Mm. They it's, did.
0: Bonkers. You know, you get guys pop up on Facebook, don't you, and add you, and you're like, but you were 60 when I was a child. Absolutely. And they're like, oh, I'm 60 this week. You're like, whoa, how have well, you done yeah. that? Still going. Somehow. Yes. Yes, yeah. it's a strange one, isn't it? People don't age like they used to.
1: They really don't. They, no. they really don't. I You know, you used to get that sort of that look um, mm. when someone had retired, when a bloke had retired, which was, he'd still be very smartly dressed. Yeah. But old, hmm. noticeably. Proper old. old. Yeah, proper old. Proper old, like it used to be. Yeah, my, my granddad used to look proper old. He proper couldn't stand. Old. He couldn't stand um, age being used as an excuse, though. Um, Good man. We had, a, we had a chap who lived next door <coughs> called Mr. Silver. And this is when we used to keep chickens. He used to come round and get, he'd get a dozen eggs a week. But he, he didn't really speak, Mr. Silver. His wife did. My Christ, his wife did. When Mr. Silver didn't speak, and I don't know if we had early onset Alzheimer's or possibly something like that, but my granddad just. No time for that no. sort of thing. I'm alright. You should be. Yeah, Absolutely. There was a little bit of that where he kind of oh, that man, he's senile. He was yeah. uh, announced very loudly at the top of his voice. Well, John Laurie was like that with Arnold Ridley, wasn't he? Yeah. Because I wasn't I, Ridley younger than him anyway yeah, by a couple yeah, of
0: months? Yeah. And Laurie had been gassed at the psalm and all this other stuff. And when they go dashing across a field, you know, and Laurie would be like, E-err! you know, he'd be giving it loads about Arnold Ridley. He's a lazy bastard. Or whatever it was he said. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think your granddad was very much of the John Laurie. Those guys had like. My granddad had, like, very brown, veiny arms. Yes. And you could see all the blue and and purple in their arms, couldn't you? You could.
1: You really could. Yeah, it was, like, that that
0: brown, really brown.
1: Proper brown. I don't know if that was... uh, Because, I mean, my granddad had an allotment, and he basically lived on that allotment. I don't know if it was to do with that, or if it was just... Maybe it was the fags when he was younger, because, my God, he loved the fags when he was younger. But I remember the brown... That just went up to the sleeve, of course, and then it was pure white. underneath. Yeah, yeah, pure
0: white. My granddad used to wear bloody vests, proper like string vests. Or you could see it under his shirt because, again, they oh, were yeah. always
1: very smartly turned out with the trim. Always. Bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. My grandfather would not leave the house without a hat. He thought it was improper. He's right, you know. Yeah. He's right. There's something
0: that we've lost in the last 30 years, I think, in terms of male grooming. I mean, look at the two of us. Let's be honest. We, your granddad would just consider us both
1: slobs. Oh, in my Captain Caveman t-shirt and yeah. John Nathan Turner. And I, your Magnum yes. P.I. shades. Uh, absolutely. He wouldn't yes. have any of that. No. I
0: bought a pair of shades the other week. Thirteen quid. I've never spent so much on a pair of sunglasses in my life. That's, that's how much these were. and then I, Oh, uh, yeah. The woman uh,
1: said to me at the till, oh, well, there are such a body and such a bodies. I'm like, who gives a fuck? Well, exactly. I don't care. But these are apparently very good. I, I don't know. I've, I've scratched them, so they're not that good. And I just look like a shit TJ hooker. Well, yes. Can you, like not,
0: can you not get ones in Poundland anymore? Or do you have to wait until Christmas when they're reduced?
1: I think you can. But didn't they discover a while ago that those really cheap ones were actually damaging people's eyes?
0: Oh, this is probably a scurr story designed to make them thirteen
1: quid. More than likely, if you yeah. ask me. Very you know. probably is.
0: Yes, yes, we should get Esther Ranson onto this. We should. We should. You? you know. <laughs> By the way, have you watched that new Jimmy Savile documentary yet? No. Hmm. It's on Netflix, isn't it? Yeah, you've got Netflix. Yes, I have. Are you just going to sit in the corner with your head turned away if it gets put on? Pretty
1: much. Oh, I've got Netflix. It doesn't mean I have to watch it. It's there. I tolerate it being in the house. It doesn't mean I've got to welcome it. I shall give you my review, if you'd like.
0: Go on. Part one... Yes? Is a very odd... Well, it's all a very odd watch. Part two is very uncomfortable, but part one makes you feel uncomfortable on a different level because... What part one kind of does is give you a positive spin on this guy's life story yeah. and how he came from the minefields of Yorkshire and dragged himself up by his boot, sprat- boot, boot sprats, yeah. boot sprats, bless them as chicken, please, Derek, um, <laughs> and and became like a, a, you know the, I think it said on that he was voted enemies' most popular DJ like five years running in the 60s he's on stage with the Beatles and you've got people on there and I think I'm right in saying who's the guy who does um oh bloody hell I think he does films with Commode. anyway it doesn't matter it's 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 one of those BBC4 types with glasses quite chubby oh I, yes yeah I remember Mark Mark Commode? no Funk knows, join us again on the Amnesia Express. Um, your granddad wouldn't broker that. He'd tell us straight away his name. Um, yes. So he is on it. And, and as he even, on others' point out, it's like, I'd forgotten how good he was mm. as as a TV personality, whatever you want. You know, they've got this clip of him going in a chip shop and straight behind the counter and like that with the old girl. And she's like, oh, bloody hell. You know what I mean? And, he, and so the first part, you get sucked into this sort of. Thing of remembering how good he actually was as a broadcaster, mm. and then you feel guilty about it. You're like, oh shit, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that that's not a bad idea on the on the program maker's part because you you're kind of groomed in part one to sort mm. of you you're given the superficial Jimmy as such, no. and then uh, oh no, don't don't give me the superficial Jimmy, dear, <laughs> um, and then. As it comes to the end of part one, mm. it starts getting creepy. You know what I mean? And it's just like, right, here we go. And then part two is just like, whoa. Do you know what I mean? The amount of TV shows he goes on about. Case, oh, yeah, my is up next Thursday. It's just like he says it constantly. Mm. And then the actual recordings from the police interview in 2009 when he was arrested um, are staggering. Absolutely stagged. He's just, so there's this, uh, like, female copper, but not a WPC, like someone high-ranking, like a detective superintendent. You know, a proper. They took it proper. proper. And he's just like that. Hey, do you know what I do? Every Friday morning, I, I have all the coppers around my place, and we have a talk about this. I get five or six of these a week. And like, how oh, he's always getting blackmailed by people. Do you know how many of these I get a week? Oh, and I'm a highly litigious person, let me tell you. And by the way, you will be looking at £500,000 in damages if you pursue this. And it's just like, wow, you know what I mean? This guy fucking meant it. and he And he was so well connected with the establishment. You know, he was the sort of peacemaker between Charles and Diana. In their divorce. I mean, how would you get into that position? And how the hell the government got him to look into reforming Broadmoor? (laughs) Honestly, Yes, I've got the keys. It's like... So, there's that photograph, isn't there, with Peter Sutcliffe, Jimmy Savile and Frank Bruno? It's the... (laughs) Honestly! It's just like that. What the fuck is going on? How the (laughs) fuck did this guy... Oh, as it happens, oh, oh, oh. You know, I'm a minor, and I've got a... And this guy was... It was fucking Teflon, mate. He
1: was mm. absolutely, and and we we're never going to know the full story, though. No, 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 absolutely not. However, yeah. no, now you see why I've got the entire Jim'll fix it archive downloaded.
0: Do you know what? It's got to be the most unpalatable and unpopular opinion that Savile was a good broadcaster. Mm. As where we though, have a
1: problem, it? don't we? Because. Yeah. People watched, people listened. He people thought they knew very, him. Yeah, he was actually a very good broadcaster because of that, because you've got that relationship going on between you and him. So you did he have that. was
0: astonishingly popular. I didn't know how many awards he'd won. Mm. Honestly, I had no idea. There's there's footage of him on Radio 1, right? Mm. Sat there with the cans on, smoking a big cigar. I mean... Yeah. Remarkable. He's like the king.
1: Yes, of entertainment. I I had forgotten all that. I mean, oh no, absolutely. I he was he was a huge figure, just remarkable. And the but, fundraising, by the way. The fundraising. Although then people are saying, well, sometimes he just get picked up. He do the he do the first bit of a run and the last bit of a run. He kept. Oh, driven no, but for Stoke Mandeville. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he groomed
0: unit. the entire nation.
1: Yeah. With his altruism. And that's, and that's the thing, isn't it? He. That's the genius of of the genius, but it is, it's genius. He basically created that thing where we all knew him intimately, Mm. so it could have been any one of us. No, well, you never know, dear. Never know, but I mean, there were
0: people on it as well for balance from Stoke Mandeville who were just like, All I ever saw him do was good. Mm. It's a very strange watch. You should you should try to overcome your prejudice of Netflix because I think you'd be fascinated by it from just an archive and a, and a sort of cultural context point of view. There's a, a lot of archive. Oh, there's ooh. a lot of archive in it. Ooh, yeah, go and watch that then. There's yeah. archive that I've never seen before. Like, like mm. interesting archive. I mean, when he goes in this chip shop, fish and chip shop in Leeds, or summer, the whole place is just like, because it's him. Yeah. But it's it's really good archive as well.
1: Very God, it's weird, isn't
0: it? Such it's, a strange it's,
1: thing. It's to It's a good have documentary.
0: Happen. I will get. I. I'll give it a shot. You should do, Paul, because it's really interesting, and it's, it it's it's made in such a way whereby you are kind of groomed in episode one yourself, and then episode two, it's just like, because mm. I remember when he died. You know, I remember what it was like. The internet was full of tributes. I mean, BBC TV, they squashed the story. I mean, they were going to press, as you'll see on the documentary, they were going to press in the, I think the mid 80s with, Mm. they'd got some, um, you know, girls from this school that had been abused by him to actually go on the record. It was a reform school, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The lad is on it who's, I think, anti-ran it. And he's now an investigative reporter. Right. It's, it's a very interesting story. Hmm. Okay, I shall I shall give it a go. You should watch that. You should I'll watch that, that dear. Yes. Um
1: No, absolutely.
0: But yes, um, hardly in the spirit of Easter, but I'm sure there was a Jim Will Fix It Easter special.
1: Oh, there, I think there was, actually. Let's hope he, isn't, he doesn't rise again, because that would be let's, terrifying.
0: Let's hope not, yeah. Zombie Savile comes back. Oh, no. I know what was really part of Easter, Disney time. Mm.
1: Easter yeah. was Disney time. Disney time is, I think, my earliest sort of TV memory because I remember watching that in black and white. Right. I remember we had. No, I'm thinking of the Mick, the Mickey Mouse Club. Right. God, yeah. Which, which I, I, I think, had such an impact on me because it was you had the Mickey Mouse gang who were all kids about ten years old, and I remember one of them. Looking down the lens when they all had to say goodbye with a little sign off line at the end. And one of these kids looked down the lens it and said, Jeepers Creepers, where'd you get those peepers? And I remember something wow. in my brain went, I hate you. You know we're going to have to. Be- <laughs> <laughs> it was this That's jealousy, so- professional no, jealousy. It was just no. This is before. Why don't you or anything like that? It was just somebody saying that while smiling with mouse ears. I must have only been about three, but I remember a very strong feeling of hatred, absolute hatred.
0: Strongarm was in his embryonic form back then. He wasn't was. He? he
1: wasn't having any he of that really shit. Was not brokering any shit. No.
0: I don't remember the Mickey Mouse Club. I have Good. to be honest with you. I remember <clears> Disney time. Yes. I remember Disney time. But I don't time. remember that.
1: But I think um, that that's possibly why I've sort of slight issue with Disney ever since, because of that one child looking down the lens and saying that, being recorded in 1974 in America, but that was enough. Oh, I was furious. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like Charles Bukowski, I'm not
1: a fan. I may have of been Disney. sick. I used to do that occasionally. Sometimes I've got so cross that I would just be sick. So it, that could have been one of those. Not much difference to now, dear. Really. No,
0: no. You yeah. and Bonnie Langford. <laughs> i'll scream and scream and scream <laughs> until i'm thick that's one of my earliest tv memories just william yeah oh. love that that and the famous five on a sunday oh i love that but to round off this whatever this is um yeah. in the mention of disney reminds me of a, one of russ abbott's jokes do you remember that character he used to do with the red hair and the kilt yes.
1: see you jimmy Yes.
0: I um. And he said, uh, what's the difference between Rod Stewart and Walt Disney? And you're like, I don't know. Rod uh, Sings and Walt Disney. <laughs> yes. And on that note, we'd like to wish you all at home a very lovely restful week and we hope you rise again for next week's edition. Oh, that was searing <laughs> hot. That's lovely. And so until the next time. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jeepers <laughs> Creepers. nice things the antidote to modern living was presented by sir michael livesley and lady paul carmichael The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production. Nice
1: Things.